Chapter Thirty Six of Dogs and All About Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dogs and All About Them, by Robert Layton. Chapter Thirty Six: The Irish Terrier. The daredevil Irish Terrier has most certainly made his home in our bosom. There is no breed of dog more genuinely loved by those who have sufficient experience and knowledge to make the comparison. Other dogs have a larger share of innate wisdom. Others are more aesthetically beautiful. Others more peaceable. But our Rufus friend has a way of winning into his owner's heart and making there an abiding place which is all the more secure because it is gained by sincere and undemonstrative devotion. Perhaps one likes him equally for his faults as for his merits. His very failings are due to his soldierly faithfulness and loyalty, to his two ardent vigilants in guarding the threshold, to his officious belligerence towards other canines who offend his sense of proprietorship in his master. His particular stature may have some influence in his success as a chum. He is just tall enough to rest his chin upon one's knee and look up with all his soul into one's eyes. Whatever be the secret of his attraction, tis certain that he has the Hibernian art of compelling affection and forgiveness, and that he makes one value him, not for the beauty of his ruddy raiment, the straightness of his forelegs, the set of his eye and ear, the levelness of his back, or his ability to win prizes, but rather for his true and trusty heart that exacts no return and seeks no recompense. He may be but an indifferent specimen of his kind, taken in as a stranger at the gates, but when at length the inevitable time arrives, as it does all too soon in canine nature, one then discovers how surely one has been harboring an angel unawares. Statistics would probably show that in numbers the fox terrier justifies the reputation of being a more popular breed, and the Scottish terrier is no doubt a formidable competitor for public esteem. It is safe, however, to say that the Irish Terrier shares with these the distinction of being one of the three most popular terriers in the British Isles. This fact, taken into consideration, it is interesting to reflect that thirty years ago the daredevil was virtually unknown in England. Idstone, in his book on dogs, published in 1872, did not give a word of vengeance to the breed, and dog shows had been instituted sixteen years before a class was opened for the Irish Terrier. The dog existed, of course, in its native land. It may indeed be almost truthfully said to have existed as long as that country has been an island. About the year 1875, experts were in dispute over the Irish Terrier, and many averred that his rough coat and length of hair on forehead and muzzle were indubitable proof of Scotch blood. His very expression, they said, was Scotch. But the argument was quelled by more knowing disputants on the other side, who claimed that Ireland had never been without her terrier, and that she owed no manner of indebtedness to Scotland for a dog whose every hair was essentially Irish. In the same year, at a show held at Belfast, a good number of the breed were brought together, notable among them Mr. D. O'Connell's Slasher, a very good-looking wire-coated working terrier, who was said to have excelled as a field and water dog. Slasher was lint-white in color, and reputed to be descended from a pure white strain. Two other terriers of the time were Mr. Morton's Fly, the first Irish terrier to gain a championship, and Mr. George Jameson's Sport. The prominent Irish terrier of the 70s varied considerably in type. Stinger, 
who won the first prize at Lisburn in 1875, was long-backed and short-legged, with a dark blue grizzle-colored back, tan legs, and white turned-out feet. The dam of Mr. Burke's Killiney boy was a rough black and tan, a combination of colors which was believed to accompany the best class of coats. Brindles were not uncommon. Some were tall on the leg, some short, some were lanky, and others cobby. Many were very small. There were classes given at a Dublin show in 1874 for Irish Terriers under nine pounds of weight. Jameson's sport is an important dog historically for various reasons. He was undoubtedly more akin to our present type than any other Irish Terrier of his time of which there is record. His dark ears were uncropped at a period when cropping was general. His weight approximated to our modern average. He was an all-colored red, and his legs were of a length that would not be seriously objected to, but in his day he was not accepted as typical, and was not particularly successful in the show ring. The distinguished terrier of his era was Burke's Killiney boy, to whom, and to Mr. W. Graham's bitch Aaron, with whom he was mated, nearly all the pedigree of the best Irish terriers of today date back. Erin was said to be superior in all effects to any of her breed previous to 1880. In her first litter by Killiney Boy were Playboy, Pretty Lass, Poppy, Gerald Pagan II, and Peggy, every one of whom became famous. More than one of these showed the black markings of their granddam, and their progeny for several generations were apt to throw back to the black and tan, gray, or brindle coloring. Playboy and Poppy were the best of Erin's first litter. The dog's beautiful ears, which were left as nature made them, were transmitted to his son, Bogey Rattler, who was sire of Bachelor and Benedict, the latter the most successful stud dog of his time. Poppy had a rich red coat, and this color recurred with fair regularity in her descendants. Red, which had not at first been greatly appreciated, came gradually to be the accepted color of the Irish Terrier's jacket. Occasionally, it tended towards flaxen occasionally to a deep rich auburn but the black and brindle were so rigidly bred out that by the year eighteen ninety or thereabout they were very seldom recurred nowadays it is not often that any other color than red is seen in a litter of irish terriers although a white patch on the breast is frequent as it is in all self-colored breeds in addition to the early celebrities already named extreme carelessness michael brickback poppy the second Moya, Dulan, Straight Tip, and Gaelic have taken their places in the records of the breed, while yet more recent Irish Terriers who have achieved fame have been Miss Butcher's Bond Boy and Bond Beauty, Mr. Wallace's Treasurer, Mr. S. Wilson's Bolton Woods Mixer, Dr. Smith's Sarah Kidd, and Mr. C. J. Barnett's Breda Muddler. Naturally, in the case of a breed which has departed from its original type, discussions were frequent before a standard of perfection for the Irish Terrier was fixed. His size and weight, the length or shortness of his limbs, the carriage of his tail, the form of his skull and muzzle, the color and texture of his coat were the subjects of controversy. It was considered at one juncture that he was being bred too big, and at another that he was being brought too much to resemble a red wire-hair fox terrier. When once the black marking on his body had been eliminated, no one seems to have desired that it should be restored. Red was acknowledged to be the one and only color for an Irish terrier, 
but some held that the correct red should be deep auburn and others that wheat in color was the tone to be aimed at a medium shade between the two extremes is now generally preferred as to size it should be about midway between that of the airedale and the fox terrier represented by a weight of twenty two to twenty seven pounds the two breeds just mentioned are as a rule superior to the irish terrier in front legs and feet but in the direction of these points great improvements have recently been observable the heads of our irish terriers have also been brought nearer to a level of perfection chiselled to the desired degree of leanness with the determined expression so characteristic of the breed and with the length squareness and strength of muzzle which formerly were so difficult to find this squareness of head and jaw is an important part to be considered when choosing an irish terrier opinions differ in regard to slight details of this terrier's conformation but the official description issued by the irish terrier club supplies a guide upon which the uncertain novice may implicitly depend head long skull flat and rather narrow between the ears getting slightly narrower toward the eye free from wrinkles stop hardly visible except in profile the jaw must be strong and muscular but not too full in the cheek and of a good punishing length there should be a slight falling away below the eye so as not to have a greyhound appearance hair on face of same description as on body but short about a quarter of an inch long in appearance almost smooth and straight a slight beard is the only longish hair and it is only long in comparison with the rest that is permissible and this is not characteristic teeth should be strong and level lips not so tight as a bull terrier's but well fitting showing through the hair their black lining nose must be black eyes a dark hazel color small not prominent and full of life fire and intelligence ears small b-shaped of moderate thickness set well on the head and dropping forward closely to the cheek the ear must be free of fringe and the hair thereon shorter and darker in color than the body neck should be a fair length and gradually widened toward the shoulders well carried and free of throatiness there is generally a slight sort of frill visible at each side of the neck running nearly to the corner of the ear shoulders and chest shoulders must be fine long and sloping well into the back the chest deep and muscular but neither full nor wide back and loin body moderately long back should be strong and straight with no appearance of slackness behind the shoulders the loin broad and powerful and slightly arched ribs fairly sprung rather deep than round and well ribbed back hindquarters should be strong and muscular thighs powerful hocks near ground stifles moderately bent stern generally docked should be free of fringe or feather but well covered with rough hair set on pretty high carried gaily but not over the back or curled feet and legs feet should be strong tolerably round and moderately small toes arched and neither turned out nor in black toenails most desirable legs moderately long well set from the shoulders perfectly straight with plenty of bone and muscle the elbows working freely clear of the sides pastern short and straight hardly noticeable
Both fore and hind legs should be moved straight forward when traveling. The stifles not turned outwards, the legs free of feather, and covered, like the head, with as hard a texture of coat as body, but not so long. Coat, hard and wiry, free of softness or silkiness, not so long as to hide the outlines of the body, particularly in the hind quarters, straight and flat, no shagginess, and free of lock or curl. Color, should be whole-colored, the most preferable being bright red, red, wheaten, or yellow-red. White sometimes appears on chest and feet. It is more objectionable on the latter than on the chest, as a speck of white on chest is frequently to be seen in all self-colored breeds. Size and Symmetry The most desirable weight in show condition is for a dog 24 pounds and for a bitch 22 pounds. The dog must be present and active, lively, lithe, and wirely appearance, lots of substance, at the same time free of clumsiness as speed and endurance, as well as power, are very essential. They must be neither cloddy nor cobby, but should be framed on the lines of speed, showing a graceful racing outline. Temperament Dogs that are very game are usually surly or snappish. The Irish Terrier as a breed is an exception, being remarkably good-tempered, notably so with mankind. It being admitted, however, that he is perhaps a little too ready to resent interference on the part of other dogs. There is a heedless, reckless pluck about the Irish Terrier, which is characteristic, and coupled with the headlong dash, blind to all consequences, with which he rushes at his adversary, has earned for the breed the proud epithet of the daredevils. When off-duty, they are characterized by a quiet, careless, invitating appearance, and when one sees them endearingly, timidly pushing their heads into their master's hands, it is difficult to realize that, on occasions at the set-on, they can prove they have the courage of a lion, and will fight until the last breath in their bodies. They develop an extraordinary devotion to, and have been known to track their masters almost incredible distances. It is difficult to refer to particular Irish Terriers of today without making invidious distinctions. There are so many excellent examples of the breed that a list even of those who have gained championship honors would be formidable. But one would hardly hesitate to heed the list with the same of Paymaster, a dog of rare and almost superlative quality and true Irish Terrier character. Paymaster is the property of Miss Lillian Paul of Weston Supermare, who bred him from her beautiful bitch Erasmic, from Brenda Mudler, the sire of many of the best. Side by side with Paymaster, Mr. F. Clinton's Mile and Barrister might be placed. It would need a council of perfection indeed to decide which is the better dog of the two. Very high in the list, also, would come Mr. Henry Ridley's Redeemer and Mr. Brakell's Killer Sport, and among bitches, one would name certainly Mr. Gregg's Belfast Aaron, Mr. Clifton's Chairwoman, Mr. Everhill's Ermine, and Mr. J. S. McComb's Beast and Betty. These are but half a dozen, but they represent the highest level of excellence that has yet been achieved by scientific breeding in Irish Terrier. Breeding up to the standard of excellence necessary in competition in dog shows has doubtless been the agent which has brought the Irish Terrier to its present condition of perfection, and it is the means by which the general dog-owning public is most surely educated to a practical knowledge 
of what is a desirable and what a not desirable dog to possess but after all success in the showering is not the one and only thing to be aimed at and the irish terrier is not to be regarded merely as the possible winner of prizes he is above all things a dog for man's companionship and in this capacity he takes a favored place is the great advantage of being equally suitable for town and country life in the home he requires no pampering he has a good hardy constitution and when once he has got over the ills incidental to puppyhood worms and distemper he needs only to be judiciously fed kept reasonably clean and to have his fill of active exercise if he is taught to be obedient and of gentlemanly habit there is no better house dog he is naturally intelligent and easily trained although he is always ready to make his own part he is not quarrelsome but remarkably good-tempered and a safe associate of children perhaps with his boisterous spirits he is prone sometimes to be overzealous in the pursuit of trespassing tabbies and in assailing the angles of intruding butcher boys and officious postmen these characteristics come from a sense of duty which is strongly developed and careful training will make him discriminative in his assaults very justly is he classed among the sporting dogs he is a born sportsman and of his pluck it were superfluous to speak fear is unknown to him in this characteristic as in all others he is truly a son of aaron End of chapter thirty six